0: Kia and welcome to uh, Inside Parliament, a weekly catch up on the political stories we've been covering on One News. Welcome to Andrew Vance and Katie Bradford.
1: Bit worried you're going to upset Don Brash there with your greeting. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, no, I don't need to
0: brush. talk a bit longer, don't I? It's a hard thing
2: to understand ridiculous. in the introduction. Anyway.
0: Yeah. Um, kia ora. Kia ora, that's what I about to say.
2: What um, about you, as we say at home? What about
0: you? Um, you can
2: start speaking in Gaelic. Will that uh, be offensive? Full chat.
0: Well, finally, should, should they mention Gaelic in that interview, which was extraordinary?
2: Well,
1: the thing about uh, to, this is not relevant in any way, really, to news. Well, I suppose it is, but and there's a huge issue in Northern Ireland over the um, Ar- Irish Language Act, which has actually prevented um, the formation of the government in Northern Ireland. It's one of the, there are many things, but it's one of the things. It's been a huge issue, the issue of of Gaelic and Scots Gaelic and and. Um, uh, and it is quite similar to the debate we've been having at the moment in New Zealand, so I actually feel qualified to comment for a change. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, look, I mean, you know, anyway, let's, we, we, we're not going to delve into that issue. No, but we, anyway, it's
2: probably yeah. a lesson for us that we should actually learn more Māori and actually be ourselves trying to do more Absolutely of
0: it. we should. And um, But, you know, heaven forbid uh, we, we just say hello and goodbye in Māori. <laughs> um, right, uh, I've just got to say, what uh, we're, we're living in an alternative universe at the moment, we're outside in Wellington, we are deep within the beehive here, like right it's in the bowels. And, oh, my God, outside is just unbelievable. Yeah. So, you know, I feel that like I'm
2: mind. in some kind of parallel universe. This is, can't be Wellington. Every day I wake up and it's no. warm and I go, I know. How is
0: this I know possible? lots of people and around it's... the country were like, oh, Wellingtonians moaning about their weather again. But
2: don't
1: you think that the heat has just <laughs> yeah. sent people into a fever here oh. at Parliament? Question time has been crazy the yep. last few days.
2: And now they're going to make Heated. us read.
0: 120 170 briefs 170 briefings for incoming ministers literally dropped on us how long ago 5 uh, minutes ago And yeah. when you
2: say 170 they are they're about 40 pages each as well And that's on top and of the 100- 122 page fuel report yesterday and the water report which was a 296 page water report
1: So it's yesterday. fair to say that we have been busy here at parliament
0: Yes we have indeed Now it kicked off this week with a very interesting um, interview I did with Shane Jones who came in to Q&A and um, he just pulled out the old shotgun and went both barrels at it, really, Um, in particular on the issue of working for the Dole, which I kind of had thought that he'd sort of mentioned before, but it was sort of... had been kind of shuffled away, and then, boy, he came out really hard on it. Have a listen to this. Shane Jones with a stern message today for young Kiwis in the regions sitting on the Dole. They'll be made to to go to
3: work, made to go to work, and where it's necessary to pay them, and and they'll have to receive a minimum wage, but there'll be no more sitting on the couch.
0: The Regional Economic Development Minister believes those young Kiwis could be planting pine trees instead of migrant workers doing it. And he's now promising to progress four new Work for the Dole type projects by Christmas.
3: I'm calling it Work for the Dole. It may be the uh, work readiness kaupapa. But I am not going to remain silent any longer while my young ne'er-do-well nephews in Kaikoui and other places fall victim to the gangs. Unions
0: strongly oppose the idea, however Labour says it is keen to work with New Zealand First on this, although it calls it a work scheme, which can help young Kiwis earn the minimum wage and pick up the skills they need to enter the
3: workforce. I've had a number of discussions in Phoenix to my Labour colleagues and uh, they, they're, they're behind the Kopapa, they're behind the concept. They probably have a slightly different view of the incentives that should be used. But...
0: Funding for the scheme is likely to the, uh, come from the billion-dollar-a-year regional development fund Mr Jones is in charge of. Details of the fund are still being worked on, but Mr Jones confirmed today it could cover areas like irrigation. This, despite the coalition agreement signalling a move away from big, new taxpayer-funded irrigation schemes. That's irrigation is okay if it's the right size, the and, it's, it's, a lo-
3: and it's, a, it's got to be a localized. It's got to be localized and fit for the local environment. And I'm going to push that vigorously.
0: What then of Maori claims on water and talk of possible
3: legal action against the government by the iwi leaders forum? it's about going to the supreme court go to the supreme court i don't care but don't for a moment think that that sort of bluster is going to blackmail me into agreeing to their half-baked schemes to do with water end of story
0: so shane jones showing as always he's not one to shy away from controversy <laughs>
2: 1991 so-called Mother of All Budgets saw National introduce a controversial work for the Dole scheme aimed at getting thousands of young people off benefits. Now Regional Economic Development Minister Shane Jones has created a stir by suggesting he wants to repeat history.
3: They'll be made to go to work, made to go to work, and where it's necessary to pay them.
2: He hopes many of those jobs will be in Northland where the 7.3% unemployment rates among the highest in the country. Mr Jones suggests people People who've been on the dole for longer than six months should get their hands dirty planting trees or working in regional tourism schemes. But their concerns over exactly how it would work.
0: What we've got here is an opportunity to create an industry with good employment prospects in it. Let's do that and, and bring that to people who want work rather than forcing people against their will.
2: In Whangareita Deng people were divided over the idea of a new work for the dole scheme.
3: If they don't want to work, don't don't give them any money.
2: It's a great idea, and I think that would be a good incentive. Are you just putting someone in a job that may not be suitable for the job? The Prime Minister insists... Any such project would pay the minimum wage. And there could be further disagreement within the coalition government. Shane Jones believes there should be penalties if people don't take up offers of work. But the Greens want even existing sanctions removed. While Jacinda is concerned about the heavy-handedness of some of those penalties. Sanctions already exist Uh, within our welfare system and the discussion that Cabinet will have is how they apply in this specific program.
3: You're probably going to see uh, paralysis because uh, the Labor Party is trying to square the circle of uh, no sanctions at all from the Greens and New Zealand First Uh, wanting to have some obligations on these people.
2: There are already many taxpayer-funded regional youth employment schemes, so would Labor be looking at an extension of those? Some of the areas where we're targeting uh, are areas where we have seen higher levels of unemployment where we also need to see investment in regional economic development and job opportunities. But no proposals have officially been taken to Cabinet, and as they say, the devil is in the detail. Mm. So
0: what was Shane Jones up to?
2: He was... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely wanting to make sure that New Zealand First is still able to appeal to their voters, that they're getting their message out there. They have done... New Zealand First has run Work for the Dole schemes in the past, uh, which involved people working part-time in schools and hospitals and places like that. They He wanted to ensure that New Zealand First is seen as being different to Labour, that they not they don't have the same policies. He knows he's not going to get a, a, an old-fashioned Work for the Dole scheme through Cabinet, but if he's seen to be pushing it and to be getting something that gets his nephews off the couch... He's, he's but he a, got slapped mm. down by Jacinda. They're not doing it. Well, no, and they they will do what? What they've called their ready to work. Yeah, scheme, that was labor policy, which is labor policy anyway. And they're, they're talking about the same sort of thing. They're talking about people. Planting trees or but fixing trees.
1: But paying the minimum wage And the issue is, I mean, yeah, New Zealand first have a, you know, it's a great um, policy to get people talking and a certain generation love it. But actually, the facts and the evidence show this is. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's been tried time and time in Austral- again in Australia and there's no evidence that it works. There's no evidence that it's good for employers or the people that are targets There's plenty of academic studies, but, you know, sounds good when you're campaigning. Yeah.
0: Well, I think the issue is whether or not there's going to be any sanctions We we'll, we'll had this debate, sort of separate debate because the Greens wanted to get rid mm-hmm. of sanctions. Now it's around the language to changed to sort of be excessive sanctions. Mm. But Jacinda Ardern still wouldn't say, you know, they've got to make a cabinet decision whether there would be any sanctions on these particular work programmes which Jones and obviously Woody Jackson, the employment minister, will be working on. So what's going to be interesting is when they finally announce these programmes, whatever they are, do they have san- – does that person who gets the minimum wage for planting that pine tree – if they say, no, nah, I'm not going to, or they only turn up for two days and then don't turn up, um, are they going to have their doll cut?
1: Well, it's a bit rich, isn't it? When well, they go into coalition, have then? a coalition agreement with the Greens talking about this very issue how they're going to have an investigation and an overhaul of the welfare system because it's too not punitive, working. and then they go ahead and suggest that there might be sanctions on the, the first welfare
0: system.
2: Yeah, but scheme can scheme Jones that they back <laughs> down?
0: Jones is still of the view, I heard him the other day, he said he still thinks that there will be some carrot and stick. So do they just leave the existing sanctions that are already in? Or something. Well, that
2: seemed well, to be what Jacinda was saying at yeah. Postcab on, on Monday, is that the sanctions that are there are fine. It's the fact that they have been used too excessively or mm-hmm. used in the wrong situation, and she wants better monitoring of how those sanctions so are. So we're getting back to the but point of it's, it's, poli- expe- <laughs> it's all politics. It's all politics. <laughs> of course it's, it is. Yeah. Uh, they're
1: just paying lip service to an issue. They're trying to make, New Zealand First are trying to make a splash, sort of distinguish themselves yep. from Labour and the Greens. But if they're going to do it, would it not be better to do it alongside the the review and the overhaul that they've promised. I mean, why implement this first and then go ahead and do a review? Why not try and do he it all together? T- he hadn't
0: told Jacinda doing that he was going to come and do that interview. And he hadn't clearly hadn't told them that he was going to have a big crack like this. I mean, that caught them all by surprise. So uh, I guess so the wider issue is that, so in terms of coalition um, management, yes. you know, that's where... It, so, so Shane they, so, Jones so is what, going
2: to be their problem. I mean, that's what... Winston a Well it's it's job Is it is a problem, though, or is it, is it quite useful film, for is Winston? Interest,
1: yeah. Is it quite <laughs> useful
0: for Labour? Because... Yes. Uh, This is the government going onto some right-wing territory which Labour supporters and Labour MPs are very uncomfortable with. It's easier for New Zealand first to go there. They talk back people who like it
1: but how many, how many department. times Are you going to have Shane Jones Going out at the weekend yeah. Coming up with all these <laughs> well, up, and then hopefully lots the, Well yeah for us It's great But then Jacinda Ardern And the Greens Then spending the rest Of their week Hosing it the down, down And fend
2: off questions And he like is yes who he is, is yes who He is who he is He can't help himself yeah, but it's, not great, a, it's not great It's not great For the, the government, government Yeah the, that's the problem Is it makes it look like Straight away but In the first six weeks Of government That there's divisions Within Labour New Zealand But can you muzzle him can't muzzle them. At least you know You think he could try And be quiet for a few months He's getting married in let him, let him go off and have his wedding And be quiet for well, a while but you, then,
1: can, you, can, you can't muzzle him But the dude has a billion dollar fund That he has to spend And mm-hmm. he has to get a lot of it through Cabinet And so you can make his life very difficult And very complicated well, well, And tie him up in a lot of red tape Willie well, well,
0: Jackson's the key isn't it Because I mean they're yeah. mates And you know they'll, 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 they'll have a relationship and, and He's he the will, conduit he, he between will New Zealand
2: First and Labour That's what Willie's there it. for Is to try, try and pull Shane back off the ledge So what do
0: the Greens do now? Because they're gonna, they'll be sitting there going, "Oh, New Zealand first I firing a shot."
1: The Greens played it very well this week, actually, because they just, they just left it open ended. They said, "Well, we haven't seen, we haven't seen what's going to cabinet. We haven't seen the reforms. We'll, we'll tell you once we take a look at it." So. Um, James Shaw is actually, after the dreadful year he's had, he's learned a lot of lessons, I think, and he's a very astute politician. He didn't really put a foot wrong this week when it, he could have fallen into a, the great big pit, bear pit that uh, Shane Jones set for him this week.
0: He, said, he, he had an amazing speech at this sort of post. They do this post election thing where all the leaders talk about it. His was the best speech and he he spoke from the heart, and it it just struck me. He he just told very briefly the story about how he went from a a Colmar Brunton poll showing him on 4%, where he had to do a speech for the adjournment debate. He thought his career was over. He he thought (laughs) he was going to be the last Green leader. And then, within about two months, he's in Paris or something, meeting the Pope as the climate change minister.
1: And you have to say kudos to the guy. The Greens ruined their chances, but he single-handedly... Uh, you know, he looked like a ghost by the end of it, but he, he pulled that back from the brink, you know? He, he worked astonishingly he, hard. He
2: really did think that the Greens were out. Well, they were, nearly were. We, know, all thought that. <laughs> we all thought they were out. But <laughs> he, he, he was terrified. He was really terrified. Yeah. And then, you know, when he speaks, though, I was at the Queen's the Queenstown finance leaders debate and at a very national party audience, you know, and, and James Shaw was... And David Seymour were the most popular speakers there. They loved James Shaw. It was, it was because he—he he he mentioned that. He mentioned that. You know, he, that he, he yeah. there was there was something about both of them. You know, David Seymour was in a, in a different way, but, but he's also a great speaker. I mean, yeah. I remember being at a business event before the election, and um, it was when <laughs> David
1: Seymour. Called old uh, Richard Prosser an effing oh, yeah. moron or an effing idiot, and but he had that business audience eating out of the palm of his yeah. hand. They're both they're both really classy speakers. Yeah. yeah. The I other know. one
0: who spoke well, just very briefly before we move on, was um, Stephen Joyce. Funnily enough, um, I mean Jacinda doing spoke well, and the kids came in and all the rest of it. But he, you know, it suits him because um, Joyce can can look at the big picture of the politics. He's very good on sort of the you know he's a campaign manager. But he he spoke very well, and obviously it was an interesting campaign for him given the eleven billion seven point. $11.7 billion hole uh, He didn't back away from that um, But he, he, uh, he clearly felt I don't think he, he doesn't It wasn't bitter You know He felt You got the sense that he felt That they'd actually run A pretty good campaign Done everything they can Thought Bill had done really well um, And just He just felt He summed it up quite well He said In the end It was a case of Winston wanting to go with Change versus status quo And there's nothing You can do about that And he seemed quite
2: You know, he seemed at peace, to be honest. He maybe needs to convince some of his colleagues (laughs) that he can be at peace with that, because I think it's going to take them a while. Oh, yeah, yeah. they're very angry. So
1: um, what's happened here is that we find ourselves veering off into one of Shane Jones's forests, So we're a bit lost, we've gone off
2: topic. (laughs) Well, there are
0: a billion trees in one of Shane Jones's (laughs) forests.
2: 100 million a year.
0: (laughs) Easy, apparently, apparently. Uh, We do need to move on, though, because there was another couple of interesting things happened this week, all in one big foul swoop, which was uh, the very critical report on water and a very critical report on, on petrol. But let's get to water...
2: In Hawke's Bay, people are still lining up for untreated water but that will be a lot harder to find if the government demands all water be treated, as recommended by the Havelock North Water Inquiry.
3: There's widespread, systemic failure amongst water suppliers to meet the high standards required. The industry has not demonstrated, sorry, has demonstrated it's not capable of improving when standards are not met.
2: The government inquiry was launched after 5,000 people fell ill due to water contamination in August 2016.
3: Certainly the events of August 2016 were a wake up call for us uh, and I would suggest they need to be a wake up call for everyone whether they're using untreated water or not.
2: The lengthy report says 20 per cent of the country's drinking water may not be that safe and makes 51 recommendations, many of them urgent such as universal treatment of water. People in Christchurch where water isn't treated, and in Havelock North, have mixed reactions to that.
3: I got sick last time, mm. so which wasn't very pleasant. Mm. It
2: was working before. I, I mean, you know, I I couldn't see
1: any problems with it. So um, I just yeah, I'd like to go back to how it was.
3: I think being
0: treated that should really, really be a last resort.
1: I'm not sure that I would agree that it would need to be treated unless it was proven that there was a problem with Christchurch water.
3: Well it's not as controversial in many areas as it used to be. Uh, Hastings I think has come to the terms with the fact that they have to uh, treat their water.
2: It's estimated as many as 100,000 people a year become sick with waterborne diseases and hundreds of thousands more exposed to unsafe water, including in tourist hotspots like Punakaiki, which has a permanent boil water notice. The Hastings District Council has spent $12 million already, improving its water quality.
3: We're talking in that $35 million plus uh, range over the next five years. So um, that's a significant investment. It's not all treatment, but it's ensuring we can get safe drinking water.
2: The government admits cost could be a problem.
3: The inquiry doesn't suggest that larger centres of population can't afford to do this. They suggest that smaller centres will be most affected, uh, so that's something that we're going to have to look at.
2: The damning report says central and local government and health authorities, all in charge of safe water, have become complacent.
3: Over the last five years not one compliance notice, never mind one prosecution, was brought.
2: The problems identified, now a big job ahead to fix it. Mm-hmm. Sorry Andrea's dad, Andrea and I are both trying to shove some scones down quickly. <laughs> Apologi- Sorry, I apologise, Mr Vance <laughs> 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 this, this report uh, The water report um, Having been covering this since it, it all happened Over a year ago now um, As the government said I don't think anyone expected the problem to be as widespread as it is around the country. I mean, you've got 20% of the country that have water that's not treated, but this report, 296 pages of just damning uh, findings on the state of our water about what needs to be done, about the lack of... Management, the lack of a complacent approach, basically by all the authorities—local government, central government, the Ministry of Health—and uh, I think one of the big problems, what it, it comes down to in part, and this was addressed in the Hastings uh, District Council case, is that local government authorities haven't had the money to put infrastructure and in, in for the infrastructure and the monitoring those bores. When you're in a place like Hawke's Bay and you've got bores all over the place, and you've got weather events and you've got far intensive farming or whatever various practices, you the monitoring that needs to go on of those boars and other areas to ensure it's safe just hasn't councils been happening in too, too many, many small, small councils. councils. Mm. So one of the yeah, recommendations well, one of the recommendations is that they actually set up these bigger groups that are in charge rather than the councils being in charge of them, a sort of bigger organization that overarching organization. Exactly. And that's the problem. And the government wouldn't wouldn't didn't want to go either. because it but falls on are, right, players, yeah, right Well, but. well, no, I'm not sure that that's that's really fair because
1: I mean that this is the issue when we talk about wanting to clean up our rivers. Everyone's having a go at the farmers and dirty dairying, and oh, yeah, that is that is a huge part of the issue but the other issue is the pollution that we see in urban areas which has increased Mm -hmm. exponentially recently is due to the really crappy infrastructure the outdated um, not fit for purpose Yeah, it rains in
0: Auckland and you can't swim in the harbour Absolutely
2: So, I mean if that's not an issue for central government then I don't know what is Yeah, and the government yesterday was interesting because I tried to ask them a number of times about that about that cost issue. Mm-hmm. Because in, in the case of Hastings, uh, and I know from having spoken to various people there, they didn't have the money. They don't have the money to do it. They're about to spend $35 million because this is a wake up call to them. They have no yeah, choice. But what government but wants to spend councils, money on
0: below ground um, infrastructure? Um, yeah, they're not,
2: like, a, yeah, I know yeah, they have to. I mean, it's a fundam- water is a fundamental. I know. And the, so, <laughs> so, the, so the government, you know, David Park and David Clark yesterday didn't want to commit funding or what they would and wouldn't pay for because they can't. They just have to well, go ask Grant but Robertson if for they're something. They're
1: if they're going to commit to cleaning up rivers and they're going to commit so you know they're t- talking a big game on the environment, and New to Zealand's yeah, but one future way or another, environment. They're going to have to deal with that. Us it.
0: paying for it, won't we? Well, won't of course it, it? will. Yes.
1: Taxpayers, ratepayers. We'll have but to, we'll, but, it, but, but but we do use it. User pays if we want if we want that infrastructure. If we want to use it, if we want water that's you know drinkable, not polluted, then we're going well, to Aucklanders
0: obviously Aucklanders pay for the delivery of their water. They have that's yeah. separated out yeah. into their mm-hmm.
2: bill.
0: Yeah. Uh, we don't in Wellington. That well, I means it's just all wrapped up into your rates, mm. isn't
2: it? The problem they g- do pay, it's just not singled out. Yeah. And I don't think, um, I, I felt a bit like the government is underestimating the reaction there will be to the idea of this universal treatment of water because even in Hastings and Christchurch, people want. They love their fresh water. They love that they think it tastes really? different. They're really, really big on it. And and I think in Havelock like, North, people are resigned to the fact, well, their, their water's being treated now anyway. They're resigned to the fact that it might happen permanently, but they're not I mean, happy about I it. I, it like, I like fresh mm. clean water too, but I like <laughs> well, <exactly>. gastric ancient <laughs> yeah. factions. Believe, believe
1: me,
0: like, <laughs> you get used to it. I grew up in Crosschurch, <laughs> yeah. and we used to think, I and mean, it does have some of the best water in the world, and, you know, and the tap water was fantastic and all the rest of it, but, you know, you... A couple of years in Wellington, you've forgotten.
2: Yeah, exactly, but a reality is, do I, you want to
1: be sick or not? I know, uh, I just, I mean, the very fact that, what was it, 5,000 people got sick in this day and age, I just think is, I mean, that's third world Over Over oh, 100,000 people a strong year strong get shame.
2: sick with waterborne and really diseases. And really nastily sick It is just, no, 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 no. No. I mean, it really is, it is a thing for New world. Zealand to be ashamed yeah. of, it is third world. Uh, that over 100,000 people a year become sick due to waterborne illnesses in this country And we talk about
1: access to, you know, we talk about human rights, um, Access to clean drinking water is is about the most basic human
2: right you can have, I mean, and if, we're not even meeting that. If you want to have your own tank in your house or your own bore, and you're willing to take responsibility for your own for water, sure. that's your that's mm. your problem, mm. basically. But a, a council's responsibility is to provide safe drinking water, mm. and yes, they might find themselves voted out if they they, they agree for univ- to treat the water, which <laughs> is Maybe. the problems not problem in Hawke's Bay, but but. You've got to make a call, if you roll us to keep it safe. If
1: you drink that water and then you get sick, then you put further pressure. You have to access health services. Health system. Yeah. So you know it's it's not it's not a risk that you take alone. You know that you you do have an impact on your local health services. And look how how the health system. You know. Had struggled to deal with the crisis in have North. Yeah, of, and
2: the, and the the effect it had on the business community, councils having to pay these business packages and so forth. The councils will now spend. They've spent twelve million dollars already. They're going to spend thirty five. Mm. Uh, and and they have. They. I mean, they've said they have to front up. They know they've got to provide it. Well, and have to I think, them, think they are surprised <coughs> at how mm. how little the rest of the country has paid attention to what happened there. That that wasn't a bit of a wake up call. I do know that in Patani, for instance, where the water is is untreated, they're actually starting to treat the water there now. Uh, in Mosgiel, they are as well. So some count, some smaller places around the country are.
0: Mm. Hey, we're sticking with um, themes of uh, our position in the world and ranking in the world. When it comes to petrol, mm. we seem to be paying a lot more than anyone else.
1: It's confirmed, Kiwis are overpaying at the pump by hundreds of millions of dollars. And now the government says it's going to step in.
2: The message we're sending to people who are filling up their cars is that they need to have confidence that they are paying a fair price. If you live in the Wellington region or the South Island, odds are that you're paying over the odds for your petrol.
1: But don't expect any immediate relief.
2: It's not a quick fix, and I'm not standing here today saying that I've got an early Christmas present for people and they've got cheaper petrol prices from tomorrow onwards.
1: The business ministry has just finished a second report on soaring fuel prices. Last year, the average Kiwi motor spent around $1,500 at the pump. That's at least $150 a year more than a decade ago. And that's in part because retail margins have increased by over 18 cents a litre over that period. The report says the potential wealth transfer from consumers to fuel suppliers since 2008 is likely measured in the hundreds of millions of dollars per annum. But what's still not clear is why. So the government is going to beef up the powers of the Commerce Commission to investigate fuel companies.
3: The only solution seems to be to actually change the Commerce Act to give the Commerce Commission powers to do a more detailed market study which would compel fuel companies to give all the data that's necessary.
1: But that won't happen until at least 2019. So in the meantime, officials are looking for ways to intervene more directly in the market to bring down prices, but that won't include setting the price at the pump.
2: I have no confidence that um, setting
3: the price at the pump would hold. What can actually be done about that? We don't know. We just think the motorists should be better informed. Fuel companies have welcomed a future Commerce Commission probe. The inquiry needs to centre on, on places where prices are significantly higher than they are in other parts of New Zealand
1: but there'll be no driving down of prices ahead of the Christmas road trip. Astonishingly, over the last decade or nine years, um, the, the pre-tax uh, price that we pay for fuel is, has gone from one of the lowest to the highest in the developed world. And no one can really explain why. The fuel, The retail margins have gone up, I think it's... From memory. It was eighteen cents over that period a liter, um, and that pay, that means we're paying an extra one hundred and fifty a year on top of the fifteen hundred that we that we would usually pay for our petrol. Um, and they've done two reports uh, into the civil service. Have done MB. Have done two reports, and they have concluded that yes, we are overpaying, and it does seem unreasonable and unfair. But the very reasons why uh, no one can explain. The costs aren't rising. Uh, the cost of importing aren't rising. There's no reason. Um, and the reason that they can't get to the bottom of it is because the fuel companies will not front up with the data that MB and the officials need to do a proper investigation. So we're at the point now where we know we're overpaying. The fuel companies won't come to the party. So the government has had to insist that ComCom, the Commerce Commission, um, get extra powers so that they can go in and compel the fuel companies to front up with the information. That is not going to happen for at least another three years. So in the meantime, you're going to... unless. The fuel companies bring voluntarily bring down the prices um, you, we're not going to see any action on this um- The other thing that happened yesterday on the back of this uh, report was that the government sent signals that it was going to do some market intervention. So that sounds quite extreme on the face of it. Mm. Are we talking about nationalizing our service stations? Are we talking about the government setting the price at the pump? They're not doing that. They're not going that far. Really, what they'll do is try and increase some competition into regions where prices are expensive. So we pay a lot more in here in Wellington and down in the South Island. And there are something like 21 companies that operate in the Auckland area, try and bring some of those south. But... It's all very well sending those signals and trying to make things more transparent and the market more accessible, but the problem is it's a declining industry, so trying to entice yeah, people... Roll the to EVs.
0: Yeah, roll <laughs> yeah, on well, the EVs. That'll sort them out. That's
1: where the competition's going to come that's in. That's what the AA are saying. They're saying that in the long run, um, we need to change our behaviour, so we send a message to the petrol companies with our feet by walking and taking public bikes transport and, and bikes, but also um, mm. buying an electric vehicle... Second-hand electric car, at the moment, ten grand. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, it, it feels like... disruptive
0: technology is coming. It now, is. I talked to a guy about that, Tony Sieber, recently, and there's no doubt about it, but it's just how quickly.
1: But in the meantime, it is an enormous burden on people. I mean, they talked about wealth transfer in the, in the report, but it is an enormous burden on people who really need to drive for work and who every cent kind of counts, and, it, and every time the petrol goes up... You know, it really does impact on their weekly on the, budget. Yeah. Absolutely. And the price difference in Wellington to Auckland is, is astonishing. It is astonishing. Well, even you can drive over to the hut and there's 10 cents a yeah. litre difference. Um, it's and, it's, and it is inexplicable. The only explanation, really, that it, the experts can offer is that certain petrol stations, service stations, are operating at a loss. So, um, you know, you, maybe in Levin, they're, they're charging less and they're operating at a loss. So they're subsidising so prices It is very elsewhere. hard for those
0: owner operators, that the owner operators that are left, to, to run petrol stations with much of a profit. Uh, they absolutely. do not make much money, yeah. in those guys. No. But
1: the, the very arrogance of the fuel companies, that they feel like none of them would, apart from Gull, none of them would front for me on camera yesterday, which is the same... I'm surprised
0: they didn't front. No,
1: they, no, they, they never... they wouldn't front last time. No, they it? wouldn't front last time, no. Um, but the very arrogance that they, that these fuel companies feel that they don't have to front up with all the information, that two government reports have um, tried to get to the bottom of this and the fuel companies don't think that they have to provide information to their consumers and the government. I just, I just think smacks of arrogance and, and it, it is going to come back to haunt them because ComCom will get those extra powers and yeah. they, will,
2: yeah. they will go in and investigate them and br- bring it on. You think, you know, again, is that a wake-up call that maybe they'll start Start, well, act, act now before they get forced. I you think know? Yeah. voluntarily.
1: Yeah. I think that was. I think that was the intention of of the government's strong signals yesterday that they're not really going to go and intervene. They're just saying, "Hey, we're hey. watching." So maybe like the last time the petrol companies did bring down the prices, all they crept back up. But the cost of importing has gone down recently, so we could, um, like I said last night, we could maybe. Uh, see a little bit of Christmas goodwill from the fuel companies in time for the Christmas. Well, benefit, I mean, the maybe, dollar at the course. moment
0: is obviously a big factor, 68 cents US, so that's yep. obviously pushing the price up a little bit. The dollar's mm. great for exporters, but obviously for importers, yep. motorists, it's not so good. But, you know, we're we're only, what, one decent Middle Eastern crisis away from a real big yeah. jump in petrol prices. That's and true. And look, the way Donald Trump's going at the moment. That's true. But I think... Uh, who knows? The,
1: but people, people do, can understand that. You yes, know, they people can. People know when that happens that their fuel prices are going to go up, and, and that's the... You know, that's yeah. the expectation. That's, you know, you buy petrol, you know that's going to yeah, happen. it's a world market. But when that's, the not, when that's not When we've happening, got no reason being given Exactly. Us when why. the fuel companies can't explain and they can't demonstrate that their costs have gone up um, in any meaningful way, then, you know... Well, they
0: own the... Um of course, they own the refinery. The- they
1: do, and the access to the wholesale market is one, is one of the issues. One of the interesting things, actually, MB did, not to get too much into the weeds here, but um, there were, the government did ask them to look at this issue of the wholesale market like we have in the electricity market, you know, with snap pricing and mm. whether, you, uh, whether people should yeah, right. be able to directly access that. Um, but for whatever reason, MB decided that it wouldn't work here, which I thought, I thought was quite interesting.
0: Mm. Very good. Big
2: wake, mm, Huge wake, Big wake.
0: I think that's us. For oh, I
2: have to say use. one thing I would give a, a bouquet to the government on, and that's the fact that that water report we got three and a half hours before the embargo was lifted, which when it's 296 pages, <laughs> is uh, if the government keeps on doing that, I'll be very surprised. But uh, it's very rare to get a report that far in advance to have time to actually read it properly and digest it before you have to go and yeah. report on it and I think it's the same with the fuel report and others yeah start yeah. as they mean to go but on. if they keep doing this we'll, we'll see but uh, good Very on good. them for
0: now uh, next week of course uh, is a mini budget
2: yay it's mini budget, time. Mini budget! <laughs> we've got a
0: mini budget uh, we will have that will be what next Wednesday next, next Thursday. Thursday next sorry, Thursday sorry we should know because the same day as the gallery party <laughs> yes a <laughs> yes. so big day that day so we might be
1: coming to you with a, a Small hangover. next Just small.
0: Just small. Uh, So that's us. Of course, you can uh, catch us again. Uh, This is our weekly catch-up inside Parliament. You can see us uh, and uh, hear us on the Facebook page, SoundCloud, and do check us out on iTunes. Have a great one.
2: Have a good one.